Hello and welcome Nationals fans to the Dogcast and for the first time since the 3rd of April the Washington Nationals are in first place and it feels good. I'm your host Blake Finney and with Max Scherzer pitching I could definitely be a serviceable right fielder. Joining me on the podcast today is one of our contributors at District on Deck, Brian Foley. How are you doing Brian? Doing well. Uh, six game winning streak, 10, 10 straight on the road so doing very well over here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to put that doom and gloom from earlier in the season firmly in the rearview mirror. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, yeah, as uh, as Brian mentioned, the Nationals now have six in a row. They've just wrapped up a sweep against the Orioles. They won 6 nothing on Memorial Day. A tight 3-2 win on Tuesday, uh, but the bullpen locked that one down. Uh, and then another 2-0 win tonight where Max Scherzer did Max Scherzer things. So did you have a particular player of the series, Brian? Player of the series, Juan Soto. He continues to impress, doing everything uh, offensively. He's and he's holding his own out there in left field uh, today. Uh, very impressive at bat, um, and with uh, culminating with an RBI single down the left field line that FP and Bob. Oh man, they could not get enough of how he uh, covering the complete plate on that single off of uh, the Orioles Castro. So continues to impress, and he with uh, with some outfielders. Uh, and Eaton, Goodwin, uh, on the way back. Soto is making things very interesting uh, going forward in that outfield situation. Yeah, I think we're going to touch on that later with uh, one of our listener questions. But yeah, that's going to be interesting when the cavalry does come back. And it's been a, a theme of the season so far with so many players stepping up in the absence. Players like Soto, Reynolds, Matt Adams, Wilma Defoe. Uh, has anyone, any one of those guys taken your eye the most other than potentially Saito? Because I think we've, uh, we, we talk about him a lot. Yeah, we all love him. Um, well, Adams and Reynolds combining to, I mean, it's, you, you feel bad saying it, but when, I mean, we'll talk about this a little later when Ryan Zimmerman comes in, Ryan Zimmerman comes back. Uh, it's kind of like, where do you put him? Because Adams and Reynolds, they feel like they're a perfect platoon at first base. Lefty, righty, uh, got a lot of power there. Reynolds, in his, just a couple weeks since coming up for the minors, he has been uh, hitting bombs right and left, taking a, t taking right off where Adams left off. So I would say the com combination of those two, and then also, and then picking up from where Adam Lynn, what he did off the bench last season, that's probably where at least Matt Adams, his role is going forward if the Nats ever get fully healthy as kind of a super pinch hitter bench option. Yeah, I think. It was one of the questionable decisions to let Adam Lynn go and then Matt Adams has taken up the mantle and run with it and done even better than Adam Lynn, which a lot of people didn't think would be possible. Uh, it's been impressive. I I was not like – I was fine with them signing Adams and I just was not expecting anybody. It didn't really matter who they signed to uh, uh, kind of take up what Adam Lynn did last year because Lynn was one of the best bench pieces in the league. But Lynn – or uh, excuse me, Adams – has been quite good, um, and it gives him a little flexibility at first base and left field. Left field uh, can be adventurous for him, but he at least has the ability to play out there in a pinch situation. So, with, with, especially with all the injuries that the Nats have had, that has proved very useful. Hopefully, that's not needed too much anymore. But uh, for now, he's been very, very uh, a, a quality player. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think if I had to pick a player of the series, I'd I'd probably go with Bryce Harper, maybe just above uh, a couple of the pitchers like Gio and 
Max, where Harper hit two home runs, uh, one to left field, one to right. Four for 12 in the series wasn't great. Uh, and you actually wrote an article on this a couple of weeks ago talking about the breakout imminent. And it feels like it's still in second gear. He's doing fairly well, but not quite got to that next level yet. What have you seen from Harper the last couple of weeks? I mean, it's at this point, it's uh, the home runs are always going to be there with Harper. The walks are always going to be there. He just, I, he needs to be more than just a a power, like basically just a superb version of Adam Dunn. I mean, that's uh, heinous to say, but I mean, he, he needs to get a, the occasional single. Um, he can't just be boom or bust. Uh, that's what makes guys like Joey Votto. Freddie Freeman so spectacular is their consistency and Harper is obviously a great player but what's keeping him from being a transcendent player is his day-to-day consistency in terms of just the occasional single or double right now he's a little bit boomer bust with uh, a, a lot of walks thrown in and that's a very useful player um, but for him to get to the next level and what I think we all uh, think he can do and we've seen him do in the past is just a little more consistency we saw it earlier in this season um, where he was just out of the gate. He was just destroying opposing pitchers. Uh, kind of lost that for a little bit in late April and is trying to get it back now. Um, he's got such a violent swing that I think, and I kind of wrote about this even in the beginning of the season, uh, that it's it's a little hard for him to, I think, consistently uh, keep that that timing going because he's got this leg kick. He swings so hard. He's his feet are even when he's going good. They're always kind of moving around in the batter's box. He's, I mean, when you see these home runs, he's got his back foot like in the air sometimes when he's hitting these four hundred fifty foot bombs. So it's not panic mode, um, certainly because obviously he's hitting a home run. He's hitting home runs. He's certainly coming around and hitting the ball very hard. He's been unlucky with some Babbitt stuff. Um, but if he can just get a little more consistency, and if that even uh, means dialing back the swing ten percent. Just to get a few more singles. I mean, the, uh, even in, in, in this new age of baseball where slugging and strikeouts is kind of everything, what every, everyone's going for. Um, but a single and a double, like th- those still matter. So I, I think that's just the, the next step to getting uh, for him to get back to Pete Bryce Harper. I think what's worrying me a little bit about Bryce Harper is the spike in strikeouts. We saw at the start of the season he was walking just about as much as he struck out. But now he seems to be flailing at pitches and maybe take a leaf out of one Soto's book. Who'd ever thought we'd have said that? But kind of shortening up on two strikes and doing what Soto did, slapping one to left field just to get that base hit, do something productive, rather than he still looks like he's swinging for the fences a lot on two strikes. So perhaps taking a step back. And if he hits, say, 260, 270 with 45 bombs, 120 ribeyes, then we're doing pretty well. Yeah, uh, at this point, like he, he's been a, he's been a good average hitter in the past. When he was hurt, or he was seemingly hurt two years ago, his average dipped a little bit. But when he's generally healthy, he's always been a good average guy. So it'll come back. But right now, I think well, he's in a I don't know, kind of like a, an average funk. Um, maybe if he can, yeah, as you say, choke up a little bit on these two strike approach. We've seen Soto do that. Wilmer Defoe does that, and he's been kind of. So, able to slap a few singles. I don't really want Harper turning into Depot, um, but uh, there, there's a little to be learned uh, from some of his guys in the bench. Yeah, I've been quite impressed with some of Wilma Depot's cricket shots lately. Um, but yeah, I think 
we do want to see a little bit more of that from Harper. And he has done that in the past, kind of flicking singles, doubles the opposite way. And he's got enough strength to turn those two strike tempered down swings into extra base hits. Right. He, I mean, he has so much power. Uh, he could choke up all the way to the barrel and still hit it out. He's at his best when he's um, kind of staying in, not trying to pull everything, taking everything the opposite way. And then if he still turns on something, uh, then, then great, because it's probably going to go into the third deck. Uh, and hitting in front of Bryce Harper is Trey Turner, who's quite quietly gone about an 11-game hitting streak. It's the longest by a national in 2018. But the one thing that catches my eye, and it's not necessarily a positive thing, is that he's only drawn one walk. And that's been the big thing about Turner this whole season. He's been willing to draw the walks. Do you think it's just a temporary thing while he's on this hit streak and he might be able to keep that up once that's over? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's swinging the bat a little better now. And so... I think that was partially pr probably the reason why he was taking a little more. Oh, well, he's taking a lot more walks early in the season, but probably because he was in a little bit of a uh, a slump and just trying to find to get anyways on base. And now while he's hitting the ball a little harder, he had a was hitting the ball very well today. First three at bats, three line drives. Um, I get he's probably going to be a little more free swing, which is what you want. Hits better than a walk. Uh, but I, I think it. Uh, I think his on base percentage, and I think he's shown more discipline this year even on uh, uh, plate appearances where he doesn't end up drawing a walk. Um, so I think it's probably just a little blip. I mean, a little blip with an 11-game hitting streak, that's not too bad. Uh, and I think he's, I also think, I mean, Harper is right there, I feel like, and I think Turner's been kind of right there from getting to peak Turner uh, and, and, and going on, on a run where, he hit, where he's hitting 330 for a couple weeks and stuff like that and adding a little power and, and obviously great speed. So I think those two are, are very close to turning into two just dynamic weapons at the top of the lineup. Yeah, and with those two, I wouldn't say underperforming, but performing uh, below their peak, and then you've still got the offensive stars who we're going to talk about later still to come back and kind of disguise the limit. I know we've they've played a couple um, bad teams in the Orioles and Marlins, no <laughs> offense to those teams, but it's you've got to put it into perspective. It is a six-game win streak, and that's not easy to do against anyone. But against these teams, you do then need your Murphys, your Eatons to come back when you face the Braves. Right. I mean, and going back to the Marlins and the Orioles, uh, I mean, the, both those series were on the road. And when you're on the road, even no matter really how bad a team is, you're really only, if they're terrible, you're still only really expecting you to take two out of three. So they were able to make up for that... Uh, lackluster Dodgers series at home by not only taking care, taking care of business against Miami and Baltimore, but really cleaning up and doing what they needed to do. Um, so I think that's a good sign. And to your point about Murphy and Eaton coming back soon, the offense, still, it's, it's been better. It still feels like it's not really clicking. Like everyone's playing well, but not, they're not like, it's not like they're really rolling. It's Rendon is, starting to turn it around. Turner's getting it going. Harper's getting it going again. But there's a gear where we're, all these guys are hitting their peaks. Oh, man, they're going to be unstoppable. You, you throw in Murphy and Eaton, plus all the, all the replacements, they end up going back to bench rolls. You got these pinch hitters coming in. Uh, I mean, this, this summer could be really good for the offense if the, the injured players come back uh, healthy-ish, at least. Yeah, absolutely. I wrote an article recently about offense being just consistently inconsistent. They'll go out one day and score eight, and then the next day they'll score two. And that's the benefit of getting Eaton's and Murphy's 
back because then you only need two or three of those six or seven hitters to perform each game. Um, the, we all were talking about how deep the lineup looked coming into the season. And I'm at, have we seen that lineup? No, because Murphy hasn't played yet. So we haven't seen that lineup at all and how deep over. And, and Taylor, he's starting to maybe turn, turn the corner a little bit. Uh, not sure if that's just because, you know, you can't hit 190 forever. Uh, but um, th- there's a lot of guys who are coming together, hopefully put it together for, for this Brave series. And then when everyone gets back healthy, really, really hit, hit, hit the tracks and, and turn in, t- turn this into a, a real long uh, winning streak. Yeah. Uh, and I think the one last point I want to touch on on the Orioles series is we saw Justin Miller again, who was very impressive in his appearance on Tuesday. He had three strikeouts working around, I think it was a Trumbo single. Is he someone that you could peg for a slightly higher leverage role, perhaps coming in in the seventh inning every now and again? I think Madsen's due back this weekend, but potentially if one of the law firm needs a break, then could you see Justin Miller coming in in the seventh? He's looked good. Uh, he's shown some strikeout ability, which even though the Nats bullpen, at least their middle relievers, they all throw pretty hard. They don't always generate a ton of strikeouts. So that will be a welcome addition, a welcome skill set. So if he sticks around, which I think he should, he's pitched well enough, at least in the small sample, once Madsen and maybe even Matt Grace come back. Uh, I mean, I'd like to see him give him some slightly higher leverage uh, situations. Yeah, I think at the very least, he should be in those tie game, one-run deficit scenarios where the Nets have struggled so far this year. So I think they've been trotting out the likes of Trevor Gott in those scenarios. He'd given up a few runs. Sean Kelly had had the coming in those scenarios and Kelly's kind of uh, kind of reverted back to the really low leverage stuff just to eat the innings. Kind of have Miller, if this stuff holds, I mean, if it's been only a couple innings, uh, but take over that Matt Albers role from last year where tie game in the sixth inning, or yeah, as you said, down one and keeping that deficit. You don't have to burn one of your top arms, but you're also giving your offense a chance. Yeah, definitely. So now we're going to look ahead to the Brave series. Uh, I forgot to update this part of my notes that says top of the NL East. They're no longer top of the NL East, uh, 32 and 23, uh, but they've still scored the most runs in the National League, and that's been the key to their success so far. So against the Mets, they had a doubleheader on Memorial Day. I think they had a game rained out earlier in the season. They had a to-and-fro game that I watched the end of after the Nets beat the Orioles, uh, and one on a Charlie Culberson walk-off. Uh, letting down Jacob DeGrom, who's quietly been one of the best pitchers in the National League this season. But they did drop the nightcap 8-5, uh, kept the Nats half a game back. And then they had another dramatic walk-off at Homer on Tuesday, another one that we all watched after the Nats beat the Orioles, this time from Yoan Camargo. And then finally tonight, about 15 minutes before we came on air, they lost to the Mets again 4-1, which put the Nets top of the division. So... What did you make of that series? It does seem like the Braves aren't quite at their best right now. Yeah, and they're coming off a series where uh, they were at Fenway before that, lost that series. So, the, I mean, the Red Sox are rolling. So, uh, no, no shame in, in losing that series on the road, but especially losing Acuna. Um, it seems like, uh, and, and they have so many young players, and they all got off to just red hot starts, plus some of their veterans too, with uh, Marquecas. Um, it seems like they're maybe kind of settling, settling in, coming back to earth slightly. I mean, we're not really sure like what kind of uh, production uh, 
Ozzy Alves and Dansby Swanson can give because we haven't really seen a ton of uh, major league uh, at bats for them. But they're probably they're probably not what, what what we've seen so far. And so if their offense t- takes a step back, their pitching has also been pretty uh, pretty good um, with unlikely arms stepping up uh, based off past reputation. So I think they're probably settling in, uh, not not quite at their peak. And so they'll be a good team, but I don't know if they will be able to sustain that success for, for the rest of the rest of the season. Yeah, I think they'll, they'll still be at the very least in wildcard contention and the Nationals could do with that competition. We've talked about it numerous times before. The last few division titles, they've just coasted to it. And if the Braves can stick around, they've got the young talent too. Freeman, Albie, Swanson, having that three core uh, infield group is going to help them at the very least, keep that offense up. The pitching is still a bit subpar. They haven't quite got that true ace with Tehran not quite performing. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, yeah, I I like the Braves. Well, I like the team. Yeah. I don't like the Braves. Um, and I do think they can stick around. Obviously, it's not a great sign if you go into a series with the Mets and you don't lead going in depth the ninth inning of any of the games. But the Mets bullpen helped out there. <laughs> as they're prone to do so nothing unexpected there yeah i um i lack sympathy for the mets bullpen after the start of 2017 uh <laughs> do you have any particular players you've got your eye on obviously there, there'll be a few key names uh i think you've chucked a couple out there already uh i mean we, we we'll talk about ozzy albies i mean he's been uh dynamic to start the season cooled off a little bit uh, one of their starting pitchers who the Nats will face in game one, Sean Newcomb. Nats uh, got to him in a previous start uh, where he threw four and, a, four and a third inning. Nats got five runs for him in uh, early April when the Nats beat the Braves 8-1. to one. He, I watched him against the Red Sox. He didn't pitch very well at all, only went three innings, uh, but he, he kind of lost it in, in that second and third inning where his pitch count started getting up. Um, but he's got really good stuff. And he throws really hard from the left side. He's touching 95, 96 as a lefty, which is pre- pretty unlike, un- unheard of as a starter. He's throwing gas up there. So uh, I, he's got two seven five ERA this year, 5-1, and one, uh, going deep into games. He, he, he's a guy who – he's a young guy who I, ha- I hadn't really thought about too much coming into the season. But through two months, he has proved himself well and could be a guy who can – uh, that the Braves can lean on in this series and going down, going down the stretch for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think he was quite highly rated coming up. And yeah, they, again, maybe potentially not that ace type, but he he should be probably about a Gio Gonzalez that we saw in his first few years with the Washington Nationals, kind of about that that sort of level. Yeah, he's a very talented arm. So if he he's kind of a high strikeout guy, also kind of a high walk guy over four walks per nine innings. So we'll see if he can harness that. Uh, that's probably kind of the, the key into him making that next step into uh, like ace hood or, or something close to it, at least probably. Um, so that's probably the, the next stepping stone for him this, this year. Hmm. I think one guy that I've got my eye on is Nick Markakis, who's for, forever been the, the solid but never great player for the Baltimore Orioles for so many years. And then this year he's finally having a career year at, age 34 341 401 on base seven home runs 38 rbis and when you look at the national the national league outfield pool mark akis could even be an all-star this year is that something that could be realistic he's been really good i looked at his numbers 
uh, earlier this month, and I was like, wow, that's good for Nick Markakis. There's no way that's holding up. And he's, got, if anything, he's gotten his like his numbers gotten even a little better over over the month of May. So he was always went back when uh, uh, Baltimore, and then his beginning of his tenure with Atlanta, he's always hitting 280, 340 on base, like decent power, but nothing's going to blow you away. It's just a solid. You put him at the two hole in the lineup, and he's going to keep keep the lineup moving. But now he's turning into a guy who they can put anywhere. They can put him to protect Freeman, depending on on if they're facing a righty or not. He's really he's hitting everybody, so I think he m- might have touched up sale a little bit on uh, in the Red Sox series. So he's at age thirty four, he's having a career year, uh, and it doesn't necessarily look like a fluke. He's hitting the ball really hard. So yeah, it's probably some something to do with all this launch angles stuff that yeah. everyone's yeah. buying into. And yeah, good good for him if he could do it for someone other than Bra- <laughs> other than the Braves, that would be great. Um, and kind of on the subject of all stars, we've got. Freddie Freeman, and I'm quite impressed we uh, we didn't talk about him for the first few players, but I guess we have to, the perennial Nets killer. Um, having another great year, but like I said, with the All-Star, Brandon Belt's having a great year, and who do you see making the All-Star bid at the, for the National League there? Uh, I guess, I mean, of those two, uh, the Braves have kind of been the hot story. They've got they've got the, 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 the narrative, and they're kind of riding that. The Giants are... They've been fine, but and and belt out on the West Coast is kind of a, a a forgotten guy a little bit. So I'd say probably Freeman with his track record and the, the Braves being in first place for much of this season. I'd say he probably is going to get the nod there. Um, but I mean, but both are very very deserving players. Belt's been really good this season. Uh, Freeman also in his own right. And after this series, when he probably hits five home runs against the Nationals, so. <laughs> he'll be uh, le- leading the National League in almost every category, I assume. So, Sounds about right. Yeah, I was actually there for Brandon Belt's 21 pitch at bat against the Angels pitcher whose name escapes me. Um, but yeah, I think I think it has to be Freddie Freeman barring some kind of Cubs hijinks that we've seen the last right. few years where they vote Anthony Rizzo in. Uh, <laughs> Gotta watch out for them. They're <laughs> sneaky. Uh, have you got your eye on any of the Nationals this series? Uh, I would say Gio Gonzalez is the guy I'm watching. Got a 2.1 ERA this year, and that's after an, another or a masterful kind of bounce back season last year. And so, I and I, I still don't really trust him. Every time he, he he toes the rubber, he's been kind of just as good as the Scherzer this season in terms of run prevention. But every time he, he even though he's, he's his numbers are all good and they all hold up over his career. Um, I'm still a little bit a little bit nervous every time he's he's on the mound, uh, especially nervous for the series. Braves coming into tonight at least as a lineup hitting an MLB high uh, 843 OPS against left-handed pitchers. Uh, Gio obviously a lefty, so we'll see how he how uh, how he fares. And that, that's kind of a surprising stat considering that Freeman and Mark Akis, two of their their big boppers, are both left-handed. But those guys are just such multifaceted hitters, so disciplined that they can kind of rake off anybody. So I guess that's kind of uh, the two arms I'm watching, not necessarily going against each other, but uh, Newcomb in game one for Atlanta and then Geo in game three for Washington. Yeah, I think I've uh, I've actually got my eye on the X-Brave that we talked about before, Matt Adams, and he had a little bit of a slump, but now he's heated back up again, eight for 25, two home runs, five RBIs, uh, and he'd love to get one over the Braves. Um, it says a lot when, we've, I think we mentioned it on the, uh, on the podcast before, where 
it got to the point last season where the Braves actually moved Freddie Freeman to third base to accommodate Fadden. So there's something there. And also, when you look into the advanced stats, he's actually only got a 267 batting average on balls in play when his career level is 314. And he could yet improve on his current, I think he's, uh, I think he's hitting about 270 so far. Right. So, yeah, there's even a little bit of room for uh, the numbers to improve, which is surprising. He's always been a good hitter, really. He's had a, like a, like a kind of maybe a couple a down year or like a down season and a half with Atlanta or with St. Louis. Um, but since since leaving the Cardinals, going to Atlanta, and now with Washington, uh, he's he's really he's always been able to, to to swing the to swing the bat. It's kind of just been defensively, like where, where are you going to squeeze him into a position? So that's have a have a spot for him right now. Hmm. Uh, and then the other guy that I want to keep an eye on is. Pedro Severino, who's slumping at the plate of late, three for 30 over the last 15 days for a 100 average. It's not particularly pretty. Um, but I guess with Severino, he only has to do well enough and kind of hit about 250 to be an above average hitting catcher. Is that kind of what you project him to be? Obviously, his main strength is his glove, and we've seen that Max Scherzer keeps raving about him, even if they had that disagreement in the first inning in today's game. Yeah, they were really. Uh, uh, Scherzer could could not find could, could not get anything he liked from Severino there in that first inning, and, and then afterwards it was a non-issue. But um, yeah, when I wrote I wrote about uh, a bunch of young Nationals uh, last week, and Severino at the time was hitting about two forty three, I think, and like decent on base and uh, like a fine power for a catcher. Um, since I mean, but if if when he's hitting two forty. You can live with it. Uh, when he's hitting 210, you can't live with really anything, especially when Taylor is hitting 200 and Wilmer Defoe, even though Wilmer Defoe's playing well, he's, he's really only going to be hitting singles. So, like, at, really at his core, he's a singles guy. So, and plus the pitcher, I mean, that ends up kind of being like three or, three or four spots in the lineup where you're getting nothing. So, Severino. I mean, he's he's got to he's got to hit like league average or at least like slightly below league average for a catcher to be more than a backup if he wants to be the starter next next season, which he might anyway, even if he gets terribly this year. Uh, um, he needs to hit about like two forty, two fifty, because uh, he, he's as you said, he's got the defensive like, chops to to, to to start. Yeah, I don't think there's any way that he's going back down. At the very least, you can project project him as a defense first backup. I mean, he'd be a good backup catcher. Uh, like he'd be a plus, a plus backup to become a average starter. He needs to get a little more out of the bat. Is it a position you could see them improving on at the deadline? Obviously, JT Real Muto still floating out there. Could be an all star uh, yeah. since he came back from the DL. Is that realistic again? Uh, I mean, I I don't know how much the Nationals like have to give out of their uh, like kind of Soto was there like non Robles, like mid-tier piece. And even that was a little pricey. Um, and now he's come up and set the world on fire. They're not going to trade Robles. And like the Nats, I, the Nats minor league system beyond those two isn't like super incredibly deep. Um, so I don't know if I'd see them trading for, I mean, I honestly, I kind of think they'll probably just ride it out with Severino. And then I guess when Weeders comes back, uh, they might uh, go more 50-50. We'll, we'll see though. Yeah, I, I don't think Real Muto's a, a realistic target, like you say. 
Uh, they had Robles and Soto and potentially even some of the major league pieces that were ready, Taylor and Goodwin, you probably have not as much leverage as you did in the offseason. So right. that was the time to do it, not now. They might make a lower key move, say for someone like James McCann with the Tigers, but I guess we'll see how that plays out. And uh, uh, I, I in the offseason, I really wanted Rizzo to sign Alex Avila and the Diamondbacks ended up scooping him up. He's striking out like almost half the time right now. He's been absolutely horrible. So when it comes to catching uh, scouting and catching prospects, do not talk to me about it because I clearly have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, so moving on from that, um, we're going <laughs> to yeah. look at each of the Braves matchups individually. So first off on Thursday at 7.35, we've got Tanner Roark and Sean Newcomb. Tanner Roark, two and four with a 3.17 ERA. Sean Newcomb is... Brian talked about before has been off to a great start, five and one, two seven five. But again, there's a theme going through um, through all these pitching matchups. I mentioned it before we came on, but a lot of these pitches are better on the road. Is that a trend between both teams or across MLB? Do you reckon? Um, it, it might just be a small sample. I, I mean, neither Nats Park nor the new Braves. What is it, SunTrust? Uh, field yes. and whatever it is um park i don't know what uh they're not really uh like hitters parks so that, that's that's pretty strange uh statistically it could just be through like only eight or nine starts for each guy it's kind of just an outlier that we've seen so far but it, it, it it's definitely something to keep an eye on going forward yeah it's a bit strange i think sun trust if anything is slightly more of a hitters park uh than a pitchers park so it might explain the explain the Braves a bit, although Nats Park has played quite small this season, so it makes it a bit a bit strange from that regard. Um, and the one guy that I've picked out in this matchup is Ender Inciate, who's got a 400 average against Tanner Roark, and has been the table setter, and he's actually overtaken Trey Turner and Michael Taylor atop the National League stolen bases. What have you made of Inciate's season so far? He started really slowly with the bat. He's hitting like under 200 for a while there, but uh, got hot. Now he's up in the mid. I think he got, almost got up to like 280 one point. Now he's settled around 260. But what makes him so special is, as you talked about, his speed, leading the National League in stolen bases, and his defense. He's a Gold Glove guy out there. So like when he's hitting 260 and you're getting that type of defense, and he, he's running like he, like he can, he, he's a complete player. I mean, the, the Braves stole him uh, from Arizona a couple years ago. Stole Dansby Swanson too. Um, but NCRT has been a real quality player, uh, and, and he's young and he's cost controlled. The Braves have have a, have a nice center fielder there for a while. Yeah, definitely. When you look back on that Shelby Miller trade, it gets even more oh, gruesome God. with every look. That's horrible. <laughs> uh, do you have a prediction for this game? Uh, I like Roark's been good. He's been steady. Uh, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with the Nats in this game. Sean Newcomb. He's talented. He's, but uh, with as many uh, as uh, with his control issues, and the Nats are a very patient team. I'll say they kind of outlast him, get into the the, uh, the Braves bullpen, which is a little spotty uh, at times. Um, and I'll, I'll take the Nationals in this one. Yeah, I think this is this is going to be a really close one. Tanner has been a, a lot better of late, two six three RA in the last twenty eight days. But again, Newcomb's been great this season. I'll probably take the Braves to edge it about four to three. Uh, we've sung, sung Newcomb's praises all podcast long, so I think I have to back that up, even if you don't. 
<laughs> I know I was talking about how much I like him, and then I say the Nats beat him, whatever. <laughs> uh, so next up on Friday, we have Steven Strasburg against Mike Fultonavich. Steven Strasburg, 6-4 and four with a 3-1-3 ERA. Mike Fultonavich, 4-3 and three with a 2-5-5 ERA. If you couldn't tell, I have Mike Fultonavich on my fantasy team, so I know how to say his name. Uh, what do you reckon of this pitching matchup? It seems like another tasty one with two evenly matched pitchers. Right. Uh, these first two pitching matches, matchups are very good. Fultonavich is probably, I would say, the Braves' ace, uh, nominally at least. Um, Strasburg is an ace in any other uh, pitching staff except for uh, one with Scherzer. He... <laughs> Excuse me. Strasburg uh, pitched well in his last start in Miami, and Fult- Fultonavich watched him once again in Boston, where he just destroyed the Red Sox lineup, who had been destroying every, uh, all other pitchers who who uh, who they face. Um, except so, Sean Manaya. Yeah, <laughs> except for Sean Manaya. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so this is going to be a low-scoring game for sure. It'd be something like two-one, one-nothing, one of those type things. It's going to be where, where the where the pitchers. Are, are going seven strong. Um, I will, I mean, I'll, I'll back Strasburg here and say the Nas- Nationals win, but I promise, because the last time I was on the podcast, I said, I, I, I predicted a Nat sweep, and I will not, I promise I will not predict a Nat sweep <laughs> in this one. So there we go. That's my promise. But I have him winning the first two games. You spoil it for everyone who's made it this far. Yeah. Uh, I think I have the Nationals just about creeping this one. I think Fultonavich, he's having his, Breakout year lowered his hits per nine and home runs per nine, but career higher in walks per nine. So I think that's going to tell, kind of similar to what you're saying for Newcomb. I think um, it's going to be close and potentially we'll go with three two Nationals. I think I think Strasbourg can limit the damage to potentially one in with a home run from someone. So I think that um, I think he'll he'll knuckle down again. I think we've we've seen it of late. He had a couple of rough starts to start the year and now he's turning into the Strasbourg we know if he can uh, avoid the home run because that was an issue in April the long ball was kind of biting him uh, and kind of ruining his otherwise pretty good starts uh, then he'll, he'll be fine that being said the Braves have a lot of guys who can hit home runs so it, it, easier said than done and for Fulton Avich he's uh um he's his fastball is up to like over 97 miles per hour this year so it's up almost like a mile and a half from last season and I don't know if that's the Braves, because Newcomb's throwing incredibly hard too. If they're just saying "let it go," who cares about the walks? But uh, it's definitely been effective for those two so far. Are you turning into Trevor into Trevor Bauer? A uh, little, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Investigating the Braves pitching. Yeah, stuff. Go, going after the Braves staff this time. <laughs> uh, so the third game of the series, we have Gio Gonzalez facing off against Brandon McCarthy. Gio Gonzalez, we touched on it earlier, having a Incredible season so far, six and two with a two one zero ERA. Brandon McCarthy, five and two with a five zero two ERA. Which, with some of the starters that we've seen in the last couple of series, I talked about it with, um, I think it was the Dodgers site expert where Alex Wood had like an zero and four record but a three ERA, and it's kind of the opposite of what we've seen there. Yeah, uh, McCarthy. Uh, a, a beneficiary of the Braves' offensive success, getting some wins when he probably doesn't deserve it. Um, he, he's been a guy who, throughout his career, has always had the talent. Injuries kind of bit him. Now he's a little bit older. Uh, so offenses, offenses are kind of taking advantage of him now. We'll see if how long he sticks to the rotation um, with a ERA north of five. But 
I am going to go, I'm going to pick the Braves in the series strictly because I'm not going to predict, I'm not going to predict the Nats to win every game. And as I said earlier, the Braves kill left-handed pitching. So I'll say they, they get a few runs off of Geo and the Nats can't really take advantage of McCarthy. I, I don't really have any confidence in it, but you know, that's what we're going with. <laughs> the picking the Braves to win purely because you don't want to pick a sweep. Yeah. I mean, I can't pick a four game sweep. I, I, I can't. <laughs> uh, I think um, I think Gio's going to knuckle down. We saw him at his very best this season against the Orioles. Seven and two thirds, six hits, two walks. Albeit only three strikeouts, and he's been striking out quite a few this year. Um, and again, he's he's in a similar situation to Strasburg. He would be an ace on any other team except Nationals. Um, and one thing that I've talked about the last week or so, uh, he could even make an all-star appearance, his first since 2012. Again, is that something that you could see the numbers game may not necessarily add up for him, but if there's space, will he make it? I, I mean, he, he should, he's got a 2.1 ERA and it's not like he, he hasn't fluked his way there. All the metrics back him up. So no matter who, if, if you're a stat guy, if you're just a pure like uh, run prevention guy, it doesn't really matter if you're, if you're looking at him on the field and you're a grit guy, I mean, the, the guy is having a, a career season um, deep into his thirties. Uh, so I mean, he should he should if he keeps this up keeps this up keeps this up for at least another month. The Nationals, I mean, honestly, the guy who could be getting left out of, of the Nationals rotation would be someone like Strasburg because he hasn't been quite as good, but he has the reputation that would probably carry him uh, into the All Star uh, rotation and all an All Star roster as well. I think the thing with Strasburg, he actually publicly said he wasn't a fan of the All Star game. He'd rather have sure. the rest. And for Strasburg, it kind of makes sense where. He's been quite injury prone. So, yeah, I think that that might be the deciding factor because obviously they will take into account players from certain teams. So if Strasbourg's there, maybe Gio doesn't. But obviously if Strasbourg's going to sit out, like you said, then Gio might actually make it. Uh, in terms of going back to this game, I think we'll have uh, the Nationals. I think this is one where the consistently inconsistent offense goes consi- consistently good. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, and they uh, they rack up quite a few and win something like 8-2. I think the lefty bats will get the Brandon McCarthy. He's allowed a career-high 11, uh, 11.3 hits per nine. So I think the age is finally catching up to him, and the Braves do have some younger pitchers down there, like Mike Soroka, Kyle Wright's not all that far away. So it might be the end of Brandon McCarthy in the rotation. Right. He's, he's kind of hanging on for dear life right now. Uh... This could, if, if things go badly in this start for him, uh, it could kind of be the deciding factor and on uh, how long he is sticking around with the big club. Yeah, definitely. So I think I'm two one. I'm I'm safe to predict whatever I want in this last game. <laughs> uh, so last up is Jeremy Hellickson against Anibal Sanchez on Sunday at one thirty five. Uh, Jeremy Hellickson two and zero with a two three zero ERA. Anibal Sanchez with a one and zero. One and a record, three ERA. Weirdly, he's only 34. He made his major league debut with the Florida Marlins in 2006, and it it doesn't feel that long ago with him. Uh, how do you see him getting on? I think he's just come back from the disabled list now. Yeah, he's been around forever. He's he's had good seasons. He has not had good seasons recently. Um, but I mean, he comes into this game with an ERA of three, which is kind of weird. Like Helixson and Sanchez, two of I mean. Uh, Two guys who th- these teams were not counting on coming into the season. 
um, yet they both come in with good numbers. Hellickson, obviously, over a much bigger sample size. Uh, Sanchez, though, uh, struggling with walks. Uh, the, the big reason, the big factor for his success is that whenever someone gets on base, uh, he's magically stranding them. He's got over 91% runners are left on base. I don't expect that to hold. He hasn't been that guy ever in his career. Plus, 91% is already insanely high. So, uh, let's say the Nats uh, uh, break through there, kind of uh, break the dam. Uh, Hellickson continues his magic run where he's, uh, he's cruising along. Uh, I'll say the Nats win this one fairly easily. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not an Anibal Sanchez fan. Yeah, I would have been an Anibal Sanchez fan about five years ago when he was getting Cy Young votes with the Tigers. Um, right. But yeah, I don't think he's the same pitcher. And yeah, Hellickson's been great. And I don't think it will be a wide enough gap for them to give Hellickson a longer leash. So it may be down to Dio the night before and Strasbourg the night before that to go uh, go for a bit of length in their starts to preserve the bullpen ready for this one. Because I think David Martinez does want to let him go longer. We saw that in the start against the Padres where he got the he got the blister and it looked like David Martinez was going to let him go longer but the blister forced his hand a bit there so uh, I think it'll be a close one and I have the Nats winning four to three uh, the bullpen will continue to lock it down again at the end of the game so it's a Nats series win not a sweep so I'm not that bold I predicted a sweep against the Marlins and actually got it right so oh there you go there you go <laughs> Uh, the, last, the last time I was on, I predicted a sweep against the Padres and only got two out of three. So close, but no cigar. Taking it, <laughs> taking a, a, a just three out of four in this series, which would be much appreciated. Um, I think, yeah, I think I think every Nats fan, uh, every Nats fan would take a three-one win, extend the lead atop the NL East with that three-one series sure. win for sure. Uh, even two and two wouldn't be too bad, honestly. Yeah, uh, one guy that we actually didn't mention, and I probably should have mentioned him, is we're going to miss Ronald Acuna this series yet again. We missed him the first two series because he was down in AAA, uh, still working a few things out. And you were talking about it before we came on. You saw him get injured against the Red Sox and it had flashes of Bryce Harper's injury at the end of last year. So what do you, um, are you going to miss Acuna other than the fact that it's against the Nationals? Yeah, I won't miss him, but uh, it's, Tough blow for the Braves, who's hitting second in their lineup. Really lengthened out uh, their order, given Albies and Acuna right in front of Freeman, just a pitcher's nightmare, plus being backed up by like Marquecas. Um, he's, he, I mean, he's a talented guy, a freak athlete, a uh, young guy. So if he can kind of uh, recover from this, which it doesn't seem like it's too serious, it, it, it definitely live, it looked a lot worse than, than it it. it it was reported to be. Um, he should be okay, hopefully, uh, for the Braves' sake and, and for his sake. He's kind of, uh, by a, a, after the All-Star break, he's kind of back and at full strength and, and ready to go for the stretch run. Yeah, I think it, it's a huge blow for them. We saw him and Ozzy Albies having kind of a bromance, not as good as Rendon and Turner, but uh, they, were, they were having that and they were bonding, hitting back-to-back in the lineup. And it's, I want to say, lucky that the Nationals are missing him because he's that good a player, I guess, for the Braves. And he's going to be a thorn in that side for a long time. Yeah, good player, good future uh, going forward, which can be said for almost everyone in the Braves lineup, honestly. So they will definitely be a force to be reckoned with. 
in 2019 and beyond, or well, and in 2018 and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think our last section is listener questions. We actually have one from one of our contributors, Dalton Hughes. Uh, and he was talking about what happens when all these injured guys come back. You got Eaton, Murphy, Goodwin, Zimmerman, Matt Grace to a lesser degree. What do you see um, shaking out? Because you're going to have to carry either a lot of bench guys. You're going to have to make one or two people unhappy. I, I think I tweeted out um, earlier, I don't want to be a GM because you've got about 30 major, major league caliber players for 25 spots. Right. Um, so... The, the two guys on their bench right now who would definitely be sent down when Murphy and Eaton come back are Sanchez and Stevenson. Um, but after that, they have they do have eight guys in their bullpen and only four guys on their bench, I believe. So you could send down another reliever if whenever Zimmerman comes back. But then you're you're riding with, and you're probably going to be riding with Zimmerman, uh, Adams, and Reynolds. And that doesn't give you a lot of positional flexibility for a team that, uh, I mean, has had injury issues. And, I mean, it, just having, like, three first basemen on your roster doesn't doesn't sound prudent. So it would kind of be nice if maybe Reynolds cools off and you can, uh, um, I don't know, just cut him or something like that or try and trade him somewhere. I mean, obviously, he's been so good. You don't want that. But uh, – it would make life a lot easier for Rizzo and Martinez um, if, if that happened, because Zimmerman's obviously not going anywhere. Adams isn't going to go anywhere. So, I I do, I do not envy their position because I have no idea. Clearly, no. So, I don't think there's any right decision to make. Like I said, you got thirty major league caliber players, and um, the way that the options shake out as well, it gets a bit tricky. I think you can send. Wanda Suero and Trevor Gott, you can option them. So that might be a way to open up a spot um, for Madsen and Grace. Uh, and the the wild card in all of this is Juan Soto. Obviously, he's the one outfielder with options remaining. Is is he too good to send down at the moment? I think that's, that's one thing they're going to have to look at over the next week, week and a half until Eaton's ready to come back. Right. At the moment, he is. I could see him if he has a, a bad 10 days where he goes one for, I don't know, like 17 or something like that. I could see them saying, oh, uh, pitching spot up to him. He needs, he needs to go back. I could see, even if he's playing well, I could honestly see them sending him down. Um, anyways, uh, as sacrilegious as that sounds right now, but when you have so many quality veterans that you just don't want to, you don't want to lose these guys. You want to keep all this depth in your organization. That might be the only option. You wonder if it might be a scenario for them to make a really, really early trade and deal someone, say, like Brian Goodwin for a, a middle reliever potentially and give um, give someone a nice, young, cost-controlled outfielder for a little bit. But it, it still seems a bit too early for that. So maybe it's something that they option Soto back for now if he's uh, obviously not being Mr. World at the plate. Uh, and then you look to bring him up in August once you've made your deals and figured out how your roster is going to shake up so he's there for the playoff push. And I like Brian Goodwin, and there's just basically, like once he's healthy, there's basically no way he's going to get onto the major league roster, I feel like. Um, I mean, they could trade him for a middle reliever, but then you kind of have this another issue with the bullpen. There you got, Then you've got 
too many relievers there too. You want to lose those guys, even though they're not necessarily as good um, as the position players. So, and, and another question is once even Eaton comes back, which uh, hopefully is June 8th when he's eligible, uh, like, and, and say, you, you say you have, you keep Soto on the roster, who's, who's going to be playing center field? Are, are you going to keep playing Taylor? Uh, even if he's hitting 205, like, I, that, that, that's a tough spot. Yeah, I think that, I think someone tweeted out, I think it was Jorge Castillo who tweeted out, uh, they're going to try and get Eaton in left and center during his rehab assignment. So they'll at least feel it out and see if it's possible. Obviously, they traded for him to be the center fielder last year when they had Jason Worth and Bryce Harper. So before the injuries, injuries, they thought he was a capable center fielder, and it's just a case of feeling out if that's the way to go. And if it is, then you could have some um, some kind of platoon where you play Soho, Eaton, Harper against right-handers and find a way to work Taylor in there against left-handers. Right. Eaton scares me a little bit in the center field. One, the injury history. I mean, he's had a couple nasty injuries in the last uh, uh, two seasons. Uh, and, and two, I mean, he was a, like a capable defender in center field, but he wasn't great. He's definitely a better corner outfielder. Um, and in, in, in center field, you'd be downgrading from Taylor, one of the best defensive outfielders uh, that is in the, in the National League, to Maybe not to not to one of the worst, but definitely Eaton would be a, a probably a below average center fielder. So that's definitely he might be giving up a few uh, runs there. So it, it kind of it, I, I don't know. <laughs> no. I don't think anyone knows the right answer, not even Mike Rizzo at the moment. I mean, honestly, the way the Nats go, uh, someone else will probably be hurt by then. So it, it, it'll 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 all, it always shakes. It's uh, everything always shakes out. So. And if they have too many good players, like so be it. That's quite the problem to have. Yeah, I think if if someone gets injured, there might be a really really quiet sigh of relief. Of <laughs> right, and especially, I mean, too many good players. Just three weeks ago, you're looking at the the lineup, and you're like, are there any good players? So uh, it, it's quite the turn in the last uh, couple of weeks for the Nationals. Yeah, it's definitely a a good problem to have. Yeah. Uh, so. That wraps us up. I want to say thanks to Brian for joining me. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Uh, Twitter, uh, Brian D. Foley. Um, and then hopefully getting some more stuff up on District on Deck uh, website in, uh, coming up soon in June. So, Yeah, it's nearly June. We're, <laughs> we're getting in the fourth month of baseball now. Yep, flying along right now in the season. Yeah. Uh, so remember to check out some of our content this week. I've been hard at work over the last couple of weeks prepping some of these MLB draft profiles for you um, with the first and second round of the draft on Monday. That's kind of snuck up on everyone as well. Uh, and Tom has an article coming tomorrow morning. Remember to check that out um, about Matt Adams and how that's going to be a huge loss for the Braves, obviously to the Nats gain. Uh, and yeah, he goes into a bit of detail there. Remember to follow us on Twitter at District on Deck. Give us a like on Facebook, District on Deck. Follow us on Spreaker, our new podcast home. You can download the app and get episodes automatically downloaded for you. Uh, and you can also subscribe on iTunes and Google Play to get episodes automatically downloaded to your Apple and Android device. We'll be back on Monday before the Tampa Bay Rays series and we get to see an old friend, Wilson Ramos. Uh, and also Bryce Harper hopefully won't be too smug by then with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, so we'll see you then.